Welcome to Her American Story, a podcast where first and second generation American women share their stories about growing up in the United States. I'm your host, Jazz Bean. To learn more about my guests, visit HerAmericanStory.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HerAMStory. Feedback, would you like to be on the show? Send me an email, HerAmericanStory at gmail.com. I've got another great story for you today, so let's get started. Today, we have Dr. Smita Malhotra joining us. Hi. We're going to start off by having her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself. Hi, I'm Dr. Smita Malhotra. I am a pediatrician living in Los Angeles. I am also a wife and a mother of two children. I've been a pediatrician for more than 12 years, and I concentrate on resilience building in children, and I run a newborn nursery here, and I'm excited to be on this podcast. I'm excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up. So I grew up in the United Arab Emirates and many other places. I spent a large part of my life growing up in Abu Dhabi, which is about three hours from Dubai. Everyone knows Dubai now, but Back then, Abu Dhabi was not the metropolis it is now. It was a bunch of sand dunes and buildings, basically. And I came to the West when I was 11. And we came to Canada first, to Toronto, Canada. And I came to the United States when I was 13. So in between all of that, I've lived in several other places um, and countries. I, I would say that I've pretty much lived in most of the world before I was 13 years old. So for me, as I was growing up, I wanted to explore the United States, quite honestly. That was such a fascinating thing for me versus going abroad because I felt like I'd already seen most of the world. So it was a pretty unique experience and it was a very eye-opening experience, I would say, uh, my childhood. So what allowed your family to travel so much? So my dad is in the, he's an engineer, but he works in the oil business. And that's why we were in the United Arab Emirates. I actually was born in India. And when I was three, my dad was recruited to come to the United Arab Emirates. And we lived there for quite a long time and traveled in between. Also, my parents are constant nomads, like they cannot stay in one place for a very long period of time. So they love to travel and we just followed. And then we had the Gulf War in 1991. And I think my parents felt that it wasn't a safe place to live anymore because we had to start wearing gas masks to school and all of that. So my dad literally just quit his job. And within a week, we landed in Canada, let us in, and thus began our adventure on the west side of the world. But it was quite a struggle. It was a journey that I did not even expect or see coming because we lived so well. And you really do live well and rich in the United Arab Emirates. And when we came to Canada, my dad did not have a job. He actually didn't have a job for three years and we lived off of our savings and just seeing their struggle and trying to make it 
on this side of the world and eventually coming to the United States. I think that was a huge part of me growing up and becoming the person that I am today. I think that journey really shaped me. So yeah, I veered off from the original question, but my parents (laughs) still love to travel. They're still all over the place, but that journey, I think, defined our entire family. What was the most striking difference to you as a young 13-year-old coming West? What was the most different? That's a great question because that is also how I connected with my husband, the, the, the differences that I saw. Because when I was growing up, like in India, you're surrounded by all Indian people. They're India. They're, there's not many other people. It's just all Indians. And then when I was growing up in the United Arab Emirates, there was a very clear distinction on who was a national of that country and who was a foreigner of that country. So I always felt like a foreigner because there was no path to citizenship for me there. We were never going to be citizens of that country because we came from somewhere else. And then when I came to the United States, the first thing I noticed was that here were all these people coming from all these different areas of the world with all these different cultures, and yet they all identified as American. And that was just so striking and so beautiful to me because it really showed the unity in the diversity of this country. And that's really what made me so excited and happy to be here because I realized there is a path for me to become a part of this place. And that was the first time I felt that. Granted, this was many years ago. I don't know, things have changed in other places since then, but that is how I also connected with my husband. We come from different cultures. He's Black, I'm Indian, and the I never felt like we were, we had many differences, but I felt like we were so similar because we were both Americans and we grew up in this culture, in this environment, and that really connected us and I never felt so different from him. That's actually one of the best parts of coming to America for me. Probably why it's named United States of America. (laughs) (laughs) Really, literally, it unites everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you end up in the United States when you first came? So my dad's in oil, so we ended up in Houston. Actually, when we were in Canada, my dad actually left us and came to the United States to look for work. And he was hired by a company after maybe a year and a half. And he was able to bring us all from Canada to the U.S. Because when we came first, the plan was to stay in Toronto, but Canada was going through a recession. And my dad could not find a job there. Houston was the next place. And, and I grew up all of my teenage years. And I went to medical school in Texas and undergrad in Texas. So Houston and Texas has been a big part of my up- upbringing as well. When you moved to Houston, were you involved in a big community of South Asian Americans or were you more isolated? Yes. So the other thing I noticed in Houston was this huge community of South Asians, Indians. We started going to a temple that really had all kinds of, all Indians from all backgrounds. And 
I had actually never experienced a community of Indians like that, a tight-knit community that really celebrated our cultures and really kept that South Asian culture alive. And even though I had grown up just very sh short period of my life in India and also partly in U UAE, Houston is where I learned so much about my South Asian culture, the religions, like I, I gained such a beautiful understanding of what my culture means to me in Houston. And so we weren't isolated. In fact, my parents are a huge part of the community up to this day, and they all plan to retire together. So they, it's, it was a very defining part of my life. And the relationships that I've built in Houston, now I live in Los Angeles, they're still with me to this day. And those relationships are still going strong. So yeah, we didn't have, we weren't very isolated. I'm grateful that they helped me adjust to this um, new environment. And really they were a huge part of my growing up in the United States. What was it like for your parents to have to raise a teenager in the United States? Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't think they, I think first of all, they didn't realize how many cultures I'd be exposed to. For my parents, they were very strict as I was growing up. I didn't go to any parties growing up. I didn't go to any dances. I went to prom eventually once <laughs> and my mom was at the door at 9 a.m. <laughs> at 9 p.m. when I was coming home, <laughs> but, uh, but they were very strict. They were actually, I think they were a little bit fearful of what I would be exposed to because we lived a very sheltered life in the UAE. The government actually censored a lot of things. So my parents didn't really have to worry about me watching inappropriate things on TV. I, I actually, when I came to the United States, I discovered all these parts of movies that I didn't realize were taken out <laughs> as I was growing up. And so I think they felt a loss of control a little bit and it was stressful for them. And also my dad was trying to establish his career again. He was an executive where he, at the company where he was in the UAE. And when he came here, he had to start over again from, from the bottom. And that was very stressful for him. And so I think they were going through a lot of stress and struggles financially. And for them, it just felt better that I just stayed home and didn't go anywhere and, and just was next to them, which I understand. And then I think as I grew up and went to college, they loosened the, the reins a little bit, but when I met my husband, I don't think they realized that I would pick someone non-South Asian. And I think that was like the biggest learning experience for them on how and why they came to this country and this melting pot of cultures and that their children may eventually blend into this melting pot of cultures. My brother is also married to a non-South Asian. So I think now they have eventually integrated completely into American society. But in the beginning, they wanted to, they really wanted to keep their Indian culture alive as much as possible. And they still do. But now their grandchildren are half black, half Irish, 
Park Puerto Rican. Their grandchildren are a mix of all the beautiful cultures of this country. And if that's not the American dream, I don't know what is. I think it worked out in the end. How did you meet your husband? So my husband was my chief resident and I was the intern. It was nothing, absolutely nothing like Grey's Anatomy, nothing like that at all. <laughs> I went to residency in New York City. So I, okay, so I went to medical school at Texas A&M Medical School and we did part of our medical school training in Temple, Texas, which is a very small town. As when I went to medical school 15 years ago, I'm dating myself. Temple was very tiny. So I think while I love Temple and I, I had a great experience with my friends and in medical school, I wanted to go to the biggest city possible. And I went to New York City for a residency. And my husband was the chief resident when I was the incoming intern. And actually, initially, I really did not like him at all. I hated him. <laughs> and I would complain to my aunt who lived in Brooklyn every day about him. But eventually, I saw a better light <laughs> of him. And my program director actually was the one who set us up and suggested it. And so it was all approved by my program director. It was really seamless in the way that it happened. And once he graduated, then I finished my training and then I became chief president and then he was in his fellowship in Connecticut. So it, it all worked out fine. I think the main struggles we had was actually with my family. When I had first told them that I'm dating a black man and I want to marry a black man, their first reaction was to stop talking to me. And I think I went through a huge struggle with my family that I didn't expect because I didn't grow up amongst, in an environment of racism. I didn't grow up with my parents telling me, don't talk to black people or don't marry a black person. None of that was said to me, but when they reacted that way, it was very hurtful and I think we had decided that we would just like date forever and no need to really get married because I didn't really want to have a wedding if my parents weren't going to be there. And one day it just switched. My, my husband actually one day just called my mom and was like, can I come visit you? And it was going to be Thanksgiving weekend. And she said, she's very proper. So she was like, Sure. Yeah, you can come visit. Sure. And he showed up to Houston, Texas with his resume and a suit. And it was a grueling three days. He actually didn't tell me that he was going to visit them for Thanksgiving. He had put me on call. So I was on call at the hospital and he said that he's going to Houston. And it just blew my mind. I was so stressed. I called my my family's house every every couple of hours to make sure he was still okay and at the end of that weekend my dad called me and said how would you like to get married next thanksgiving and that's exactly what happened the next thanksgiving we got married so not only is thanksgiving such a special holiday for us but it showed the 180 degree that my parents could make and i think they even realized like they had all these stereotypes in the back of their head 
and they realize that those stereotypes aren't true and that opening their minds and their hearts to why they really came to America in the first place was going to help their family grow and their hearts grow and their relationships grow. And so since then, my parents, they now like him more than me. And I think I have not gone more than two months without them apologizing to me about delaying my life, quote unquote, and all of that. But I've really seen how people can change and how minds can be changed and how communities can grow. When we got married, actually, there were people that refused to come to my wedding because I was marrying a Black man. And now the community is so different. I feel like it's much more open and it's much more accepting. And then my brother went on to marry an, a beautiful Irish Catholic Caucasian woman. And now we have, my family is like literally the color of the rainbow. We're everything. <laughs> so I love it. And I think we're all much more open-minded now. And it's the reason, it's the reason why we came to America in the first place. So yeah, it's the perfect, for me personally, it's the perfect American story. Do you think their initial reaction to him, were they more disappointed that he wasn't South Asian or were they more surprised that he was Black? I think they were surprised he was... Okay, so I have dated mostly Black men my entire life and my parents know this. They've met a couple of them, but I don't think they ever thought I would marry a Black man. I don't know why, but... But they, I think they always thought that I would marry a South Asian man, mainly because that's what I had been exposed to all my life. I think they were, my mom clearly told me that she felt this loss of control of her culture. She would say, what are you going to tell your, how will your kids know about your Indian culture? What will you tell them about religions in the home? At that time, my husband is He's not very religious, but at that time he grew up in a Baptist home. And she was, my mom was like, what do you, what religion are you going to pick? How are you going to, this is going to be so much struggle for you. So I think they were more fearful that I would go through all these struggles. And then I do also know that they realize that it is harder for black Americans in this country. It's the truth. It's harder. And they were worried that I would have to go through that struggle, especially with my kids. And they took it out in a very fear-based fashion, which when I, I'm empathetic to that, they were worried for their child. And I can now say that it's, this journey has been a teacher for not only me, but especially for my parents. I feel like our parents are teachers in many ways, but in this area of life, I was a teacher for my parents. That really has been one of the best things in my life that I could have, I could have changed the hearts and minds of my parents. And that's proved to me that with the right patience and empathy and understanding, you can change people's hearts. You can change people's minds. People can come around, especially because my parents did, and they didn't talk to me for a very long time. Now, I did want to ask you about your book. I saw that you have written a book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I've always wanted to be uh, a writer. When I was growing up, I thought I would be like a writer or an actress. And when I came to the United States, you know, all Indi a lot of Indian parents are doctor, lawyer, engineer. 
<laughs> really did want to go into medical school. I think I first started my college education majoring in business, so I thought I would do business. But I found my way to medicine through a variety of experiences, and I always kept that writing part of me alive. I spent a lot of time um, training, so I didn't write as much. But in my 30s, after I'd finished medical school, I started writing, and I started submitting to different publications. And the first publication that picked up my writing was the Huffington Post. And from there, I started writing more and more, and then eventually for the Washington Post. And a publishing company approached me because I'd written a lot about, as a pediatrician, I'd written a lot about newborns and newborn care because when I first, when I had my first daughter, I realized all these things that I learned from experience with my daughter that I really wasn't telling parents about when I was seeing them in clinic or in the office. So I wrote a lot about my personal experiences and how it changed me as a pediatrician. And this publishing company approached me and said, would you like to write a book about the first three months of a newborn's life and guiding parents through that? And I thought to myself, wow, that is a brilliant idea. Like why did I think of this on my own? But I agreed and so we came together and we created this book about guiding parents through the first three months of life with a newborn. And I think those first three months are the most nerve wracking and fulfilling at the same time. And really, there are no books out there that really talk of, specifically talk about the first three months. And so the book came out in August. I've had so many I've had so much wonderful, beautiful feedback from it. The main thing about this book, though, is that I wanted to make sure that it just wasn't for the traditional family. It is for every type of family. And I think you can see that through the illustrations in the book, too. Whether you've had a baby through surrogate, whether you are having a baby as two fathers, two mothers, whether you are having a baby as mom and dad, it doesn't matter. This book is helpful to any parent caregiver that is taking care of a newborn. And I think that's what makes this book unique, especially in the wording we use. It's very inclusive. And that's what I wanted most of all, just an inclusive book that is av available and helpful for any caregiver taking care of a newborn. So I'm really proud of it. And I've had great feedback so far. The book is called The Newborn Handbook and it's available on Amazon. It's also available at Barnes and Nobles. I don't know if anyone is, how many people are actually going to a bookstore these days, but it's available readily on Amazon, shipped internationally. And if anyone out there reads it, please send me your feedback. Please let me know because I'm an avid reader of books, but being on the other side of this has been quite life-changing and quite heartwarming at the same time. Are you on social media? Yes. So I'm mainly on Instagram at drsmitha, S-M-I-T-A underscore M-D. So Dr. Smith underscore M-D. And I am on Twitter at the same Dr. Smith underscore MD, but I'm not as active on Twitter. So my main social media is Instagram. Now, if you had 
to give advice to a young woman who was thinking about marrying outside of her culture, uh, what advice would you give her? I would tell her that I know you're going through a lot of pressure and a lot of pressure to conform to a life that has been laid out for you. But like our parents and our caregivers and our society has been teachers for us, this may be the time that you are a teacher for them. And if you really believe you are in a healthy relationship and that this is the relationship for you, then you should pursue it. And you should have faith that eventually you will be a teacher for your community, your society, your parents. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but ultimately this is the one life you have and you don't want to have any regrets. Thanks again for listening. Join me next time for another exciting episode. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at HerAMStory. I love feedback. Send me an email at HerAmericanStory at gmail.com. Music, courtesy of my husband, Justin Rensing.